0: Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening this week. By the time Mid-March rolls around, the musical Hamilton will have been staged just over 100 times in South Florida in only 15 months. If all the shows sell out, and they almost always do, about a quarter of a million seats together will have been filled at the three performing arts centers that have, will, or are hosting the musical. And less than 70 miles separates those theaters. It represents one of the highest concentrations of shows for Hamilton outside of its open-ended run on Broadway and its recently closed production in Chicago. Hamilton is hot in South Florida. And South Florida has been hot for Hamilton. The musical has been a critical and popular juggernaut since it opened five years ago last month. It has made stars out of its writer and performer Lin-Manuel Miranda and many others, including musical arranger Alex Lacamoire, who grew up in Kendall. And it has meant big dollars and new audiences for theaters hosting its tours, especially those here. The Broward Center for the Performing Arts hosted Hamilton a year ago. It's playing now at the Kravis Center in West Palm Beach and opens next week at the Arts Center in Miami. Each show means at least $400,000 in ticket revenue alone, tens of thousands of dollars in food, drinks, and parking, and more for local restaurants and hotels. Hamilton is an economic engine. The Hamilton Bump as the arts community refers to it, and each of the three performing arts centers in South Florida have been experiencing it. We spoke with the three leaders from the centers about the financial impact from Hamilton and how the blockbuster can affect their businesses. Johann Zietzman is the CEO of the Arts Center in Miami-Dade County. Lee Bell is the Senior Director of Programming at the Kravis Center in West Palm Beach. He joined us via FaceTime audio. And Kelly
1: Shanley is the CEO of the Broward Center for the Performing Arts. The financial effect was uh, tremendously positive. One of the things we've begun to talk about now is uh, what we've referred to as the Hamilton after effect. You know, where do we stand now that we've been through a season with it and we're into another season where it is not present? Without it, right. So what it leaves behind is a lot of first-time buyers that we're working on getting to return to the center. If you look at its effect on subscriptions to the Broadway series, we're up 40% on our subscriptions from where we were before we announced Hamilton. So there's, you know, people have hung around to continue to subscribe mm-hmm. to an, the entire series, uh, even though they may have just decided to come in for Hamilton. In fiscal 2018, uh,
0: the Broward Center did a little over $8 million in program revenue.
1: What was 2019 like with Hamilton? Substantially more than that. So... Um, you know, because part of our, our earned uh, revenue streams uh, are are dependent upon, obviously, ticket sales, but the price of the ticket, mm-hmm. which was obviously dramatically higher with Hamilton, um, and all the things that come with that level of sold-out volume over a five-week period. So, um, you know, when we're seeing that much volume flowing through the system, everything's going to work better. And it, interesting thing to note about it for us It wasn't just that Hamilton did well that year, every other Broadway show that we presented, and also we had our biggest year for concert sales. So it seemed to create just a a level of energy and interest in what was going on, and people came out for more.
0: Lee Bell, at Kravis, as you're seeing those box office numbers come in now nightly as uh, you're still hosting right. Hamilton, what's that looking like?
2: Right. Well, I agree with uh, Kelly. Uh, everything is doing quite well for us. I mean, our subscriptions two years ago were um, around 7,000, 7, and we're now at 11,000 uh, because of Hamilton and all the other shows. So
0: that's shows, about a 50% increase there. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes. It's huge. In fact, we kind of limited the number of sub- subscriptions that we sold to the community because at a certain point in time it it reduces the you know the the income effect with the single tickets that you have left over Mm. so uh we decided because our our capacity for the show is 2063 but we brought in uh, total actual sales to date for this season for everything that we have on our plate is around 22 million and Mm. a little more than eight of that is um is Hamilton.
0: So in 2018, Kravis did about $18 million in admissions. Good bump there.
2: Yes. Yes, that is true. Yes. So we, we see uh, the impact here, uh, you know, with the new buyers coming into view, we're going to uh, try, try to retain them uh, for the future. We're even considering uh, increasing the number of productions from seven broadway shows to eight hmm. so uh i think we're we're all in a, we're very strong markets all three and producers know that and and we're pretty pretty well um lined up to have any successful broadway show in new york it's yeah. talking
0: about increasing supply of broadway in south florida lee uh, appreciate sure. sharing that uh johan how about for our center as you're on the eve of opening hamilton what's been the financial impact already
3: well, for us, some of this is still in the future. Although we're we're you know uh, selling very well so far, there are still tickets available, and from as low as seventy nine bucks a ticket, which is uh, an important part of the strategies to make sure that when you draw people for the first time, you also want to make it affordable to more people. So we still have that availability, which is a good thing for us. We we enjoy that part of it. Um, I think our our uh, uh, organizational budget for next year, for the year of Hamilton. We'll see a, a, a bump of, of roughly twenty percent more than yes. than 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 the year before, and as as um as Kelly referred to the after effect of Hamilton, there's also in our industry we talk about the Hamilton bump, which is okay. the year that it's in. Um, fortunately, again with our uh, Broadway Cross America partners, we've been able to really thoughtfully and learning from others think about the season after Hamilton. So we have a really strong season coming. So I hope the retention again will be stronger Um, and that's always a a, a thing that we all think about.
0: Kelly what can you share with your colleagues for dealing with that Hamilton bump a year later?
1: Well you know I mentioned the uh, retention on subscription sales and um, at the same time we're also eyeing those 30,000 first-time buyers. Um, what's the rate at which they're getting back into the venue, what's their level of interest, and what are their buying habits that we can you know, look at through, say, our partners at Ticketmaster and say, what else are they buying? What would bring them back um, to the Broward Center and how can we build that?
0: What are they buying beyond the Broward Center? What other entertainment those, options are they buying? Those Ticket are things Master? that we can
1: look at and see what their buying habits are overall. How do we match up? And then how do we reach them and entice <clears throat> them to uh, to come back to the center? One of the things we focused on as we were doing this is knowing we were going to have a lot of first-time buyers in right. the building. Mm-hmm. Um, we focused on the overall experience uh, that uh, those new customers were gonna have coming into the building. We uh, made improvements in parking. Um, we put uh, concierges out uh, you know, around the campus to provide direction, um, get them to the dining opportunities that are on campus. Um, trying to create a good experience for everybody who came in the building, especially those first-time buyers. And, you know, what we're seeing is that a lot of those efforts succeeded um, in in making it a place they want to come back to.
0: How much control do your centers have over the face ticket price for, in this case, a Hamilton show? Johan? It is truly a 50-50
3: partnership. Uh, with the producers. With, with Broadway across America. So because they have all the experience that Kelly mentioned in running this, they're obviously the the experts in the field from one perspective, looking at all markets and trends and so on, which we get from them in a way. But we also uh, learn from each other and about how to manage. And on our side, we discuss ticket pricing structures and, and strategies and mm-hmm. dynamic ticket pricing with kicks in as well towards the end. But those decisions are all jointly made, even the marketing strategies. I mean, they, they know what they do. We know our market. We talk together. We agree on what we think is the right, right number.
0: Lee Bell with Kravis. How do you have that conversation about the margin? I know all three of you are, are nonprofits for the Performing Arts Centers, but you still have to be able to make a margin to mm-hmm. make up your operational expenses that it takes to host this kind of program. Lee, how do you have that conversation, and, and what are the
2: results? The terms uh, have been incredibly generous to performing arts centers, as opposed to other, other uh, blockbusters out there. The margins are very helpful and very strong for everybody.
1: Yeah, I would agree to that. Um, I think you know the the Hamilton team specifically has <clears throat> really sort of created a new model for how to uh, price a very popular engagement like this. I think they so. Well, I think they've uh, they've managed to. They come in at a pretty high ticket price. They um, and in doing that, um, it's not just a matter of you know trying to keep all the money. It's keep all the money in the system. You know, Lee described how they've been pretty fair to all the performing arts centers in terms of sharing the revenue. But if that revenue is outside the system with a ticket broker, then it's not gonna benefit the producers or the performers a reseller arts center. then in other words. Right. Gotcha. And and so they've they've tried to capture all that value within in the system and at the same time mm-hmm. they've got ten dollar tickets available to the public. Quality seats. So, you know, I, I think they're trying to keep the show accessible. Yeah. They're trying to keep the value in the system, and it's working for all of
0: us. It's an interesting uh, practice in um, behavioral economics, Johan. It's anchoring expectations by putting that ticket price relatively high, maybe compared to other Broadway programs, because Mm -hmm. of the demand and the popularity. And that can perhaps, uh, what, squeeze out or at least begin to reduce the profit motive on the resale side.
3: Broadway's in it for profit. We're not for profit, but none of us want to be in the red ever. So, you know, we have to be sensible about how we how we do this. So it's a balance between, you know, your high high price ticket buyers and the value they think they get for it, and the best seats in the house, and all that. It's a balance between that and really want to reach in, reach out to new audiences that that Kelly and Lee uh, captured so successfully in their runs by by removing as many barriers as you can, and one of them is price. Mm-hmm. It's not always everything, but it's one of them. Also, the experience Kelly mentioned outside of the theater, though those experiences another barrier. You remove and make the experience accessible to people who will be there for the first time, and you want them to come back.
0: Uh, Lee, as you're in the production of Hamilton right now, Lee Bell at Kravis Center, how close are you watching box office receipts? Are you, oh, Are you getting daily, nightly reports? Daily,
2: daily, absolutely daily. Multiple times during the day. <laughs> Multiple day. You too, Johan, <laughs> right. you're, you're nodding and laughing well. As well,
3: when we opened the on sale, I think these two gentlemen know that's a big day when that happens. Oh, yes. And you watch every minute because, you know, the excitement, we sold more than 1,500 tickets in an hour. But you also are watching your systems. You know, are they going to, are they going
0: to, you know. Is your website going to crash? We,
3: we didn't use a new app. Let me just
0: say that. <laughs> As we're speaking we st- after yes. the Iowa caucuses We here. stayed yeah. away from any new apps. Kelly, were you sold out for the five weeks? Yes. every seat Not an every empty night. seat. Every
1: seat every night was sort of the mantra. And it indeed happened that way.
0: That was Kelly Shanley with the Broward Center for the Performing Arts, Johan Zietzman with the Arts Center in Miami, and Lee Bell with the Kravis Center in West Palm Beach. Now, still to come, with all three of the big performing arts centers in South Florida playing host to Hamilton in quick succession, is the market big enough? for all of
2: it. It hasn't cannibalized at all. We're, we're all almost completely sold out. We've got uh, full houses uh, this week coming up, next week there's, there's no problem.
3: There's a lot of people that could come and see it without having to worry about cannibalization.
0: Welcome back to the Sunshine Economy. Thanks again for listening and supporting Public Radio. I'm Tom Hudson. Today we're talking about the business of the music Hamilton in South Florida. The Sunshine State is a big market for Hamilton tours. By the time the 2020 tour ends, it will have visited a half dozen Florida cities in just over a year, including three large performing centers here in South Florida. The show brings in new audiences for the theaters and new revenue. Why such a focus on South Florida? We spoke with Johan Zietzman, the CEO of the Art Center in Miami-Dade County, Lee Bell, the Senior Director of Programming at the Kravis Center in Palm Beach County, and Kelly Shanley, the CEO of the Broward Center for the Performing Arts. Each of their art centers has, is,
1: or will be hosting Hamilton. It's something that is a, a bit of a constant conversation once uh, something like Hamilton becomes so popular on Broadway. Then it becomes, when is it going on the road? Um, When will we allocate time to this? What season will it appear in? And so those kinds of conversations are ongoing. I guess, you know, the moment finally arrives when they want to hold a date, and that's when you know it's becoming real in that time
0: period. Lee Bell, with Kravis Center, when that phone call came, when that calendar request came, what was that moment like?
2: Well, we... Always knew that it would it would eventually get to us, and uh, it was exciting to have the conversation. And uh, they were looking for three weeks. We kind of went back and forth about the particular time period, and uh, we locked into uh, the current um, scenario that we're in right now. You know, we're in our we're in it right now. It, it opened in late January. There's a total of three weeks. Uh, Kelly, I think you had four weeks, right? Or did you have? Was we it had four? five. Yeah. You had five. Yeah. Great. Great. Um, and
0: is that a function of market demand, a function of availability on the calendar? Is that dictated by the art centers or by the producers?
2: It's mainly the producers, I think, because they're lining the the tour up with other venues, so they're kind of pacing it out. They they realize that it's already been here for five weeks in the general area, so they certainly don't want to repeat that number. Uh, of weeks again, and I think that's why they uh, re- reduced it a little bit uh, for for both Miami and, um, and the Kravis Center.
0: Johan, it is coming to the Arts Center here in February. How many weeks? Four weeks. For four weeks. How'd that happen?
3: Well, I think, uh, you know, there are any number of Broadway shows on tour uh, all the time, and there are any number of performing arts centers where they go to, the, the glue in the middle is our partner, Broadway Across America, uh, who is the producer that that is partnering with us all to figure out this complicated logistics of where does it go when. And so as Kelly and Lee indicated, you, you kind of know this ahead of time quite uh, a long time in advance. And so the excitement of the opening day um, isn't as exciting for us anymore because we've been living with the anticipation and the excitement and the preparation. And I think that's the big thing is, uh, when you know you're you're, uh, a really big show like that's coming, uh, you prepare
0: for it. But how do you know a place like South Florida, certainly a large metropolitan area, let's not kid ourselves, right? Six and a half, seven million people. Um, Somewhat seasonal, however, still from, from perhaps this kind of performing arts market. How do you know that it's on the calendar or know that it's on the radar for a show like this?
3: Well Broadway across America brings us together at least once a year as potential uh, presenters and then they lay out what's in the pipeline what are they developing what are they excited about what will be on the road when um, and then we all got to sort of pitch in and and work our own calendars so in the in a way some of it just happens because logistics work out uh, and you know it happens to be on tour and therefore it's easier to get to the next town. Uh, and some of it happens because some of us are four-week markets regularly. We are not and Miami yet. We're a two-week market regularly. So Miami... I Meaning is... a
0: show normally would run for two weeks. Exactly.
3: So the size of the market is often determined by past successes and, and statistics, and that's really important. And so that also has a, a bearing on where does it go first. Uh, and And, you know, Florida, South Florida, you mentioned, but... Florida itself is a unique state in that sense. You know, we have five major performing arts centers in one state. They're very. I think the, I don't think there's any other state that's no. that's got that, and three within
0: striking I would distance say, of each other. We got three right here with us yeah. on, on microphone, Kelly. How does that kind of uh, change the market perspective for a producer
1: looking to bring a show here? Hamilton's kind of unique in that respect. If you look at all the other shows that play the three venues within this market um there are audiences that are somewhat unique to each one of the venues so our our draw for any given average show is going to be more centralized around uh the venue itself um so less people who are uh inclined towards the Broward Center might be less inclined to go see something at the R store Mm -hmm. up to the north. And and the same for all our markets. Hamilton's a little bit different um, in that it's going to have a much bigger draw. But Hamilton, I think, was so big when it came to the Broward Center, we had 24% of the ticket buyers were outside the state of Florida. Mm. So if you think about what that means. And if you think about the time that it went on sale for the Fort Lauderdale engagement, this was still a tough ticket to get in New York, in Chicago, in San Francisco. It was it was really a tough ticket for people to get. It hadn't been to a lot of cities yet. So there was still a lot of nationwide, even worldwide demand, if you will, for this product. So people were trying to find it wherever it was going to be in the U.S. Most of the shows we do don't act that way. Mm-hmm. Don't have that kind of draw. So people are just going to consume it in their local market.
0: Uh, Lee Bell at Kravis Center. How do you protect against the cannibalization of the, the the kind of the Hamilton audience, given the fact that all three performing arts centers uh, have, are, and <clears throat> will be hosting this this uh, this program?
2: Well, the, there hasn't been any problem at all. I mean, uh, we, we certainly, like Kelly said, we work within the uh, the the community the palm beach community we actually skew north and the two counties north of us too Mm -hmm. uh i think there's only there's a there's a section in boca raton maybe three to six miles where people can decide whether to go to south go south or, or come north but it hasn't cannibalized at all we're we're all almost completely sold out we've got uh uh, full houses uh, this week, coming up next week, there's, there's no problem. We have found that uh, 33% of the uh, buyers are first-time buyers, and a lot of them are, are out of state as well. Uh, uh, New York, Washington, Boston, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Georgia, <clears throat> South Carolina. And so it's interesting that this effect continues to go in, in, even into the second, third year of the, the tour.
0: Johan, I- any concern at the Arst Center about saturation?
3: You know, Tom, we 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 obviously think about that and we talk about. But I agree with with Lee and Kelly. I think the market is so big. If you think about it, at the Arst over these four weeks, we're going to have about seventy thousand seats available, roughly.
0: It's as big as a Super Bowl.
3: Yeah, and there's two and a half million people living in the county. You know, so there's there's a lot of people that could come and see it without having to worry about cannibalization. You know, we're also going to have. Uh, in the order of about a third of our audience would be people who've never been to the mm. um and and you know as Lee said, that's that's always there's a huge market out there where those people can be drawn from. So, are we concerned? No, I don't think so. I, I really don't. I actually think um, it it helps us that um, folks in Broward know they can go and see it there and don't have to come anywhere else to see it, and similarly the other way around.
0: It it the market's big enough for yeah. all three of you Absolutely. for yeah. the same Absolutely. program yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: and I think that you know they both brought up the notion that and our number two was you know 30,000 first-time buyers I mean that was one of the really important stories of Hamilton is the number of people that were introduced to musical theater for the first time uh, the number of people that were introduced to our centers for the first time and I think um, as as a show that's on the road, beyond the number of tickets it sold, the ability to reach new audiences, really important part of what it did for all the centers that it visited.
0: Speaking with Kelly Shanley with the Broward Center for the Performing Arts, Johan Zietzman with the Arsht Center in Miami, and Lee Bell with the Kravis Center in West Palm Beach. Our conversation continues, still to come, life at the art centers after the last curtain for Hamilton Falls.
3: There's no denying there's a Hamilton bump. There's no denying it's an incredible excitement. We all love having shows like that in our house, and I think our communities do too. But when the show goes, we're still here.
0: We're back on the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. Thanks again for listening. I'm Tom Hudson. The Hamilton bump is not a dance move during the Hamilton musical. It's a financial move driven by the hugely successful musical. When a tour of the Broadway show plays at a theater, the Hamilton bump means an increase in audiences, especially new to the theater audiences, and a bump in money. Hamilton is playing now at the Kravis Center in West Palm Beach. It opens next week at the Arsht Center in Miami, The Arsht bumped its budget up by 20% because of the show. The musical played about a year ago at the Broward Center for the Performing Arts, and it was entirely sold out. We spoke with the leaders from all three performing arts centers about capturing that Hamilton bump and working to make it last. Johann Zietzman is the CEO of the Arscht Center in Miami-Dade County. Lee Bell is the Senior Director of Programming at the Kravis Center in Palm Beach County. And Kelly Shanley is the CEO of the Broward Center for the Performing Arts. The Arsht and the Broward Center each receive direct taxpayer support.
1: Part of our responsibility is to deliver tourists, to be part of what is the cultural attraction um, of people to come to Fort Lauderdale and drive tourism. For, uh, for both us and the Arsht Center, um, some of that funding source is tourism development tax. Mm-hmm. So you've got uh, responsibility not just to that funding source, but to your local economy as an economic driver to focus on things like delivering tourism. Hamilton was kind of a, you know, a a one-person juggernaut, you know, delivering those tourists to the market. And so we try to measure all those and then discuss those measurables in the, you know, that ongoing context with our, our government partners.
0: Johan, how about for you in Miami-Dade County? Do you anticipate a change in that conversation in terms of the county support?
3: Um, I think I'm with Kelly. Not necessarily a change uh, because uh, at least the discussions I've had with county so far, and I think the reasons they got involved with the to way back and continue to be great supporters, uh, isn't as much the big blockbusters and that they get any kind of real big pleasure from that. I think the pleasure they do get from it is that it enables us together with the county to deliver more to more people in our community. In other words, find ways to do more engagement and education and make sure the ticket prices for other shows are reasonable and you attract people throughout the year. So Hamilton is, is seen as a very positive piece of that puzzle because it enables more of that.
0: As managers, as leaders of your performing arts centers... Are you wary of everything in the building being focused on this one particular performance or series of performances?
1: Well, one thing I'd say is we use this as an opportunity to sort of capture the excitement of it coming, even at a staff level, to say, let's take a look at the overall experience, everything we're doing, look for improvements to make, now is the time, and I, I likened it to, you know, uh, when when they, you know, did the the moon launch. You know, it's like you got everybody in a room. You said, how are we going to get to the moon? But after they got to the moon, there were a lot of improvements in technology and process that paid off in other ways, not just in the space program, but, you know, for you know, the, 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 uh, the humanity in general. Um, and so we looked at it as, yes, we're preparing for Hamilton, but we're using it as an opportunity to make improvements throughout the organization to the customer experience, marketing, and other things um... that will deliver benefits beyond i think that's a good
3: question the idea of you know whether there's life before or after hamilton you know and i think it's it, it's easy to fall into that trap that it's all about one show in this case happens to be uh, there's no denying there's a hamilton bump there's no denying it's an incredible excitement we all love having shows like that in our house and i think our communities do too but when the show goes, we're still here, and the Miamians still live here, and that's why our five-year strategy focuses entirely on connecting with people in Miami-Dade. Um, and so, for us, Hamilton is another piece in the relationship-building puzzle. Um, the show will come and go, but our relationship with people will 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 prevail, hopefully, if we can leverage it and you know stay connected.
0: Each of your centers is grounded in their neighborhood, um, in their geographic area, and pulling obviously an audience from much larger than that. Um, but you're also grounded in areas that have been targeted as arts and entertainment development or redevelopment areas in various ways in, in Miami-Dade County, in Broward County, and in Palm Beach County. Uh, Kelly, for you, uh, has there been a noticeable tale economic tail to Hamilton outside the center?
1: You know, we have actually seen um, some significant uh, change in ownership of property in the immediate surrounding area. So I think the notion that we're delivering 700,000 people a year to this district um, has caught on and that there are significant opportunities um, that exist. For people to invest nearby, so um, yes, I would say um, those those benefits were seen, and um, we've seen some movement um, around our immediate surrounding area, and you know those are all good signs. Uh, Lee, t- tough
0: to identify any you know, property sale to a specific Broadway show coming to town, but, but, but what are you hearing from your neighbors as you're well, in the thick of we it? Well, we have,
2: uh, concurrent to our expansion, believe it or not, the uh, what used to be called City Place, which is next door, uh, went through a, an expansion and a revitalization. They even changed the name to Rosemary Square. It's a totally different look. I mean, the, the entire city around us has Changed including the Kravis Center itself. It's like a 2020 is like the the year of Hamilton and and Hamilton just happened to be uh, Right here as a stamp of approval for everything that we've done and it's added a lot to The uh, the excitement of not only what what Hamilton brings on stage, but beyond in in the community a lot of a lot more uh, people are going to Rosemary Square, now we can see. And a lot of the, the restaurants do quite well, of course, when when the programs are, are here.
0: Johan, you know, what do you expect from the neighborhood?
3: Well, I think, firstly, uh, uh, the impact of what we do uh, outside of our buildings. You saw graphically over the last decade here, and I heard from um, Mayor Manny Diaz, um, that before the building opened, um, the property tax from this area was about $50 million, and now it's $1 billion. Mm-hmm. Uh, So that's just one matrix to show how we do have an impact on economic t- uh, development and, and so on. Uh, I don't think a show like Hamilton has, you know, it's hard to measure whether it will have any, uh, yes, it will increase traffic, yes, it will increase parking and all that, but um, I think it's the bigger picture uh, where we all see an incredible impact and an important impact on our city's economic uh, impacts.
2: Lee? It's certainly added to our economic impact which we see it will be an estimate of about 80 million dollars and Hamilton will be a strong contributor to that impact.
1: Kelly? The sustained effort Mm. of these centers in their communities to not only address economic development and economic activity and impact in tourism, but also address the community's needs more largely in mm-hmm. education, um, in engagement, um, even civic engagement, which I think is is really important. Um, so we're all really good at managing the economics of our businesses to maximize the value we can deliver to the community in a variety of other ways. As a nonprofit, we're trying to embed ourselves in the community, look at the broader goals of the community and make sure that our institutions are aligned with those goals and helping to deliver on them. So Hamilton helps us do that. Um, but in the long run, it's about the 10 year you look at how um, our effect, uh, what our effect is on the community. And we have that long vision forward as well.
0: Speaking with Kelly Shanling with the Broward Center for the Performing Arts, Johann Zietzman with the Arsht Center in Miami, and Lee Bell with the Kravis Center in West Palm Beach about the business of hosting the musical Hamilton. Now, still to come, the big show coming to town means more spending and more support.
3: We will make a little bit more surplus because of Hamilton, and you will spread that surplus over years to come.
0: Welcome back to the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening. The business of bringing the musical Hamilton to South Florida means about a 20% increase in revenue for the Performing Arts Center's hosting it. The musical is played at the Broward Center for the Performing Arts a year ago. It's playing now at the Kravis Center in West Palm Beach and opens next week at the Arsht Center in Miami. Each of these theaters seat more than 2,000 people. That's much larger than Hamilton's home theater on Broadway in New York. A bigger show and a bigger business means spending more for the art centers. Most of that new spending is on jobs to handle the longer run dates for the shows and the bigger audiences. Lee Bell is the senior director of programming at the Kravis Center in Palm Beach County. Kelly Shanling is the CEO at the Broward Center for the Performing Arts. And Johann Zietzman is the CEO at the Arsht Center in Miami-Dade County.
3: We're all not-for-profit, so all of us need to be in the black all the time (laughs) or as, as often as possible. So you manage to that. In our case, we will make a little bit more surplus because of Hamilton, and you will spread that surplus over years to come. Or education programs, engagement programs, which is the real benefit for doing things like this is you can invest back into the into the community. Uh, so yes, there uh, you 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 watch both sides of the of the ledger. We, we we want the bottom line to be as good as possible for both of us and the partner. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we like the revenue, but you watch the expenses too.
0: Kelly, how do, you, how do you manage that that uh, Hamilton bump is larger on the revenue side than on the expense side as you lived it at Broward?
1: Well, you know, as you forecast these things um, and you look at the budget for the coming year, when we went into the Hamilton year, uh, we needed to make some larger expenditures to manage the volume of people we were going to have come into the building and uh, and make sure that the integrity of their experience was, you know, still going to be, uh, preserved. So, so that's spending on personnel mostly. Yeah. For the most part. Um, I mean, you're making, we made some investments in signage and those kinds of things, knowing we we're going to have new audiences come in, but primarily it's personnel. And, um, so, but you can make that, you know, proportionate expense and ensure the quality of the experience without, you know, digging into the bottom line. Mm. It's just, you've got to be willing to make that additional investment and know, you're going to need more troops on the ground um, when this uh, this high volume comes through. Lee, what's that look like at Kravis?
2: We did something similar uh, to the Broward Center. we were we're involved in what we call the 2020 expansion project, which actually started when we uh, around the same time we knew Hamilton was going to be here about three years ago. And uh, it included uh, a new valet garage with uh, 250 capacity, an additional 6,000 square feet in the lobby, a redesigned motor court. just changed the whole look of the space. It's increased the uh, uh, patron experience uh, tenfold, I'd say. And uh, knowing that Hamilton was going to be here, we wanted it to at least have about 90% of this project done by the opening night, which we did.
0: Lee Bell's Theater is hosting Hamilton right now. Bell is the Senior Director of Programming at the Kravis Center in West Palm. Johann Zietzman is the CEO at the Arts Center in Miami-Dade County, where Hamilton opens next week, and Kelly Shanley's operation, the Broward Center for the Performing Arts, hosted Hamilton last year. Still to come, a personal story of money and the price of life in South Florida.
2: My wherewithal didn't come from South Florida. It's being spent here. It's difficult in some ways because I didn't really make it. The family made it. So there's a guilt feeling there. If I made it all myself, I could tell everyone to go screw themselves.
0: That story's still to come.